You're listening to the Assembly Call IU Podcast and Post Game Show, the place where Indiana fans across the globe hang out online after every IU basketball game. Activate your free Assembly Call membership today at assemblycall.com slash join. That's assemblycall.com slash join. That is how you're a champion. It really is. And now, get ready for another brand new edition of the Assembly Call. And welcome, Hoosier fans, to another victorious episode of the Assembly Call, as tonight, your Indiana Hoosiers defeat UMass Lowell 100-78 to and kind of a sleepy, sluggish game at Simon Scott Assembly Hall, but it is a win nonetheless. Uh, Indiana got out of it without any injuries, so really all things considered, as long as those two things happen, a win and no injuries, then you feel pretty good about these uh, about these cupcake games. Uh, and obviously there were uh, some things that the Hoosiers worked on, some positives, some negatives, and we are going to break all of those down for you on this episode of the assembly call i am your host jared morris i will be joined momentarily by ryan phillips and andy bottoms my co-hosts and let's begin tonight as we always do with our hoosier proud banner moment and for me the banner moment came in the second half and there was a play where og got the ball at the top of the key drove and dished to josh newkirk who made a three-pointer and i thought to myself You know, if we can do this, if we can have OG Ananobi initiating the offense at the top of the key, driving and dishing to Josh Newkirk for a three-pointer, is there anything our offense can't do? And if we even have this in our arsenal, how are, how are, I mean, how is anybody going to stop us? Because when you think about guys initiating offense for other people, OG is one of the last people that you're going to think about. He had a, an assist rate of 6.6% last year, obviously a great defender, a terrific shooter, but he's still struggling to create offense for himself, let alone for somebody else. And when you think about shooters for Indiana, Josh Newkirk is probably the last one who comes to mind as a guy who's going to step out and drain threes. But Knocked it down. You know, a guy who only shot 20-some percent against Pittsburgh, but knocked it down, looked good, and it just showed the versatility that this Indiana team has on offense. And I really thought OG in particular in the second half flashed his versatility. He had that play, uh, the drive and dish. He had an offensive rebound put back. Uh, you know, one of his now patented standstill threes, he had to step into a, a, a great spin move on a drive. So OG really showed his versatility in the second half. And I thought that play just it was just an example of just how versatile this Indiana team is, how many different things that they can do. And, you know, look, we wondered a little bit coming into the season, how good would Indiana be offensively? And through two games so far, one tonight against not great competition and one uh, on Friday against great competition in Kansas, the Hoosier offense has looked terrific, hitting triple digits both nights. Now, the defense, a little bit of a different story uh, here tonight, and we will get to that on this episode of the Assembly Call here in just a minute. Uh, But tonight's banner moment is brought to us by our friends at Hoosier Proud, an Indiana-based brand by Hoosiers for Hoosiers. If you consider yourself a Hoosier and not just an IU Hoosier, but someone who is proud to have roots in the great state of Indiana, then you need to check out HoosierProud.com. Connor and the team at Hoosier Proud offer a line of T-shirts and accessories that are unmatched for anyone who wants a unique, stylish way to display their own pride in being a Hoosier. In fact, we like their products so much that we even moved production of our Assembly Call logo t-shirts to Hoosier Proud, and you can find those right now at HoosierProud.com. 
And we did that because they produce high quality work, care about their customers, and take pride in their Indiana roots like we do. Check them out at HoosierProud.com and use the promo code ASSEMBLY to receive a 15% discount on your entire order. That's promo code ASSEMBLY to receive 15% off at HoosierProud.com. All right, let's move the ball and get some opening thoughts from the rest of our team. We will start with Andy's Bottoms Line, brought to us by Bracketology.fm. Well, it will likely surprise no one that uh, I'm going to talk about Robert Johnson. I thought he was uh, he was fantastic again tonight. 16 points, uh, made all five of his twos with two of six from three point range, five rebounds, five assists. Uh, did have a couple turnovers, but uh, you know just continues to. Uh, I feel like he he and OG from a defensive standpoint, which you know as you mentioned, the defense wasn't that great. I mean, th- those two are really the tone setters on defense, and when they really get locked in, uh, as they did for a couple stretches as the game started to. You know the the margin widened a bit. Um, you know I thought those those guys really you know turned up the defensive intensity and that was much needed on a night like tonight. Uh, you know again we've talked about plus minus a number of times, but he was plus twenty five on the night uh, by by a pretty good margin, the best on the team. So I thought another really good uh, all around effort from him. And uh, if if it wasn't him, probably it might have been Juwan Morgan again, uh, who I know I brought up on the uh, on the post game show after the Kansas game. But I thought. Yeah, uh, you know, just a lot, a lot of good all-around contributions. Doesn't need to be the star, score all the, uh, you know, score all the points. Um, but I thought he did a little bit of everything tonight uh, for a team that is going to need a guy like that. And again, they're trying to figure out who's going to fill Yogi's shoes and things like that. Um, that's going to require a lot of contributions. I thought another good performance from him tonight, uh, and really did a good job of of not forcing the action as I think he did in one of the exhibition games. But uh, I thought he really, really stuck with it tonight. Played under control and played really well. Yeah, Robert was great, and especially in the first half, I thought he was one of the few Hoosiers really engaged, kind of going after loose balls, and really, I mean, he just, he brought it for the whole 40 minutes tonight, so kudos to Robert. Uh, let's go over now to Ryan and get his rant brought to us by TheBigLead.com. Yeah, I I think it's it's got to be James Blackman Jr. Um, I thought that first half, sort of when the game was, was tighter than it should have been and was sort of starting to feel uncomfortable because... UMass was answering every single bucket that Indiana scored. He really stepped up and just started hitting threes and, 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 you know, also getting into the lane, finding gaps in the defense and showing a much more mature offensive game as we saw against Kansas as well. It was a much more mature offensive game than we're used to seeing from James uh, for much of his career. He's kind of been a, a perimeter guy who will occasionally, if he's got a wide open lane drive to the rim, but now he's actually challenging guys off the dribble and, and getting in there and finishing strong, which is something we haven't seen from him with regularity in the past. So that's a great sign. He finished, he led all scores uh, on Indiana with 23 points, grabbed seven rebounds also, which I thought was big, especially in some of those, uh, you know, especially for the up and down offense, they want to get, you know, into fast breaks. And when those guards are rebounding, can just take it and go. Uh, that really starts to get Indiana into a flow that they want. He also had three assists. Uh, wasn't as great in the second half. Uh, you know, just wasn't hitting his shots the same way as he was in the first. But that first half performance really stretched the game, uh, you know, stretched the the scoring, the score, and, and gave Indiana uh, the lead they needed going into halftime to just sort of have the momentum and, and, and move ahead and settle in. Yeah, no, from an offensive perspective, he was, uh, he was terrific at a time when Indiana really needed him and showed some great leadership, which was nice. You know, for these, these kind of cupcake games, I, I, I pay a lot less attention to the final score than I do the context of the game. What I mean by that is 
I always try to listen to Coach Crane on the pregame show and kind of listen to what his keys are and then see if the team is really locked in with those keys during the game. You know, and, and if you listen to Coach Crane on the pregame show today, you know, talked a lot about defense, you know, stopping penetration, challenging threes, which at times Indiana did, but at other times they didn't. Uh, you know, one of his his big keys, the first one he mentioned actually was keeping them off the foul line. You know, and when when you look at that, UMass still ended up taking 18 free throws, Indiana only 14. And, and that's certainly something that Indiana needs to reverse, especially against a team like UMass Lowell, where that should have been reversed. Um, you know, so so there are a few, I think, things to be concerned about coming out of this game. And we're going to get to those. But, you know, Ryan, I think it's also important to to remember this context about this game, which is that Indiana just got back from. Uh, you know, from Hawaii, there's going to be some jet lag there. You know, clearly Indiana came out with kind of, you know, looked like a little bit of tired legs, a little bit of sluggish uh, mentality at, at the start of both the first and the second halves. And, you know, you're going from playing a huge game on national TV against Kansas to playing against UMass Lowell in a, you know, an assembly hall that's not that filled. Simon Scott assembly hall that's not that filled. So, you know, we're going to talk about some of these maybe concerns coming out of this game. But overall, there's nothing big picture to be concerned about here, is there, after tonight's 22-point victory? No, they just went from playing a March game to playing a November game. And and that letdown is a little... It's hard to get up for these games. It really is. And, and I know people are going to chime in and say, oh, they're, in, they're on Indiana. They should get up for every game. Well, it's human nature. It's not like they're saying, oh, we're going to come out flat for this one. You know, it's just... It's a different level of opponent. It's a different threat to you. And, and you know, you might not be as energized at the beginning of the game. Once they got into the flow of the game, they did what they were supposed to do. But early on, yeah, it was a little flat. There was a little bit of confusion defensively. Uh, I think the, the concern defensively with this group is going to be communication, just because... A lot of these lineups haven't been on the floor together before. And that's what happens when you lose three key guys, you know, who are real leaders on the team and Zeisloft, Williams, and, and Yogi. They kind of got everyone organized. And even if Troy wasn't a great defender, he was usually, you know, at least talkative in huddles and things like that. So you're still waiting for guys to step up and fill those roles. I think you saw Thomas Bryant do it a little bit tonight, yelling at guys when they when they made mistakes, specifically James Blackman Jr. when he made a mistake on the perimeter defensively. So you're just waiting for for those guys to emerge and sort of get everyone together and get them on the same page. And that takes a lot longer than you think it does. It does. It's not something that can develop in an offseason. You have to be in game situations together. You have to go through those situations together and be stressed out in those situations for you know the correct movements to emerge. And I think you're going to see it with this team because the talent is so much and, and there is a willingness defensively that maybe we didn't see early last year. These guys tonight, it wasn't a lack of effort defensively. It was just a lack of awareness. And, and I can deal with the lack of awareness because you can develop that I, I can't deal with a lack of effort and tonight I, even James Blackman who gets criticized for his defense all the time he was engaged and 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 playing and and looking around his head was on a swivel and and he may have gotten beaten a, a lot of times and we got to change that but at least he was engaged and and working on it and and putting forward the effort and I thought everybody was so that's a positive sign but again in a game like this you're gonna lose focus because it's just such an outmatched competition. 
And I think it's fair to expect more when Indiana plays Liberty on Saturday. You know, now you're kind of back from Hawaii. That's behind you. You've had another game. You know, surely there are going to be a lot of coaching points from this game. And you give up 78 points to UMass Lowell and nearly a point per possession if it wasn't over a point per possession, 0.997. So right there. Uh, and again, not kind of following through on some of those keys that the head coach talked about. There's going to be a lot for them to, to get on the players. And I think we should expect more against Liberty. And I think we will get more from Liberty. But of course, before we turn our attention there, a lot more to talk about tonight's game. And we will continue delving into that uh, here on this episode of the Assembly Call. But first, I do want to take a quick minute and tell you about our other sponsor, SeatGeek, who we're so happy to have back with us this season on the Assembly Call. Buying tickets online for sports and concerts has been a confusing process for a long time, as you know. Uh, it's always been hard to find the best deal for that game or show you want to go to, and none of those older ticket sites seem to want to change that. But SeatGeek is different. They've come along and they've created an amazing app and website that makes it easier than ever for fans to buy and sell tickets, which is why SeatGeek is the first place I go to look for tickets for any game or concert that I want to go to, because everything about SeatGeek is designed to make life easier for sports and music fans. SeatGeek does all the price comparison for you by searching multiple ticket sites and ensuring that you get the best possible deal. They do the work. You save the time and money. And best of all, Assembly Call listeners get a $20 rebate off their first SeatGeek purchase. Here's how you get that. Download the SeatGeek app, go to the settings tab and click add a promo code and then enter the promo code assembly, A-S-S-E-M-B-L-Y and SeatGeek will send you $20 after you've made your first ticket purchase. Again, download the SeatGeek app and enter the promo code assembly, A-S-S-E-M-B-L-Y today. All righty. Well, you are listening to the Assembly Call IU postgame show. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips. And, you know, earlier in the day, I tweeted out, you know, what I was going to be looking for in this game. And one of the big things I, I wanted to see in this game was some extended time for Deron Davis and Freddie McSwain, two guys who got to, to campus a little bit late. We know they've been a little bit behind on their conditioning and just kind of getting up to speed and getting in rhythm with their teammates. And we got to see some extended time from both of those guys today. And I think both guys flashed some good things. Let's start with Deron Davis, Andy. Uh, and what did you see from Deron today? Because, um, again, I, I thought in, in, in a lot of stretches, he was really impressive. Yeah, really, one of the key stretches in the game was when he and Thomas Bryant played together in the first half. And it was about a uh, – they might have played together for a little bit longer, but there was a – a lineup that was together for two minutes and 49 seconds in the first half, and it was a, they were plus 10, so it took it from a 21-20 IU lead to 31-20. Uh, and those guys, I, we even saw it a couple times the exhibition season where they played really well together. And uh, as you mentioned, you know, Kareem talked before the show about you know getting the ball in the post, and IU had really struggled to do that uh, early on. But uh, Davis had a couple nice post ups. Robert Johnson, you know, fed him in the post uh, when Bryant was out there. Those two worked well together. A little bit of inside out, uh, you know, combination between the two of them, and uh, I thought he really did a nice job of that, and and has some good moves in the post, some good footwork. I know uh, Alex, I think, had mentioned this uh, on one of your recent episodes of podcast on the brink, where he just talked about, you know, he has good footwork, the good IQ um, that you talk about, and it's really just general athleticism that uh, probably kept him from being ranked a little bit higher. But I, I think another good chance for him to play double digit minutes, get some conditioning, get up and down the court. Uh, and I thought he looked really good. I think there's going to be games when uh, he really is a, a huge factor for this team off the bench. Bryant is eventually going to get in foul trouble, I'm sure, and it'll be nice to have him step in because he always seems to be around the ball, makes a smart play, uh, and did a really good job. So I thought a lot of good things from him. Uh, agree with you. You know, while these games from a 
uh, aesthetic standpoint or from a fan standpoint aren't always uh, as competitive as we might like uh, or as compelling as we might like. I think little things like that give you something to watch for and hopefully moments you can call back on later in the season when he was able to get some of the experience that he's gotten in the, in the game tonight. You know, Ryan, you weren't very high on Deron Davis coming into the season. You must be surprised <laughs> by how he's playing. Yeah, no, I definitely wasn't driving that train at all. The He's way better than he's ranked train. Uh, I only said that repeatedly for like two months. Uh, no, I, I Davis is a guy I could not believe was not ranked higher. I, I think Alex is right. I think I said the exact same thing, that he's not an uber athlete going to jump out of the gym, but he's just such a smart well-rounded basketball player. I mean, he's not just a post guy. A lot of these guys come out of high school, they're just a post guy. He is a basketball player. He does everything on the floor. Maybe he doesn't have a three-point shot yet that's consistent, but he can pretty much give you, you know, do anything. He can play the positionless basketball that Tom Crean likes. Um, Again, still got to develop the three-point shot, but other than that, this guy can play, and he's smart. He's solid. He's an all-around guy. Uh, has great post moves, I think. Defensively, he seems to always be in the right place. Recovers to the right spot. Helps when he's supposed to. Doesn't overhelp. Uh, you know, just stuff you can't really teach a guy that young that sort of develops with years of of practice at the college level. He's already got, and and I think he is. Uh, going to be a star for Indiana. I really do. And I think that tonight you, you saw the flashes. I think he's just, he's very strong. He's solid and, and he's a smart basketball player and he's going to take advantage of the minutes where he gets them. I mean, he only had 12 tonight. I was expecting maybe a little more run for him, but I also agree with Andy that that stretch where he and Thomas Bryant were in there together, kind of, I wasn't sure how much they were going to play together this year just because there's a lot of overlap in what they can do. But with Bryant's increased versatility and, and the fact that he can go out to the perimeter, you could get a really nice high low, high low situation getting going on with those two, and, and Davis can pass it too. I mean, he can pass it, he can handle the ball, and he can score. So he's a guy that that Indiana fans should be very excited about. I think he was so underrated, and uh, I think I called him the most underrated player in the incoming class nationally, uh, and he was a four star and ranked in the top. 50. So that should tell you how good I think he is. Uh, so yeah, I, I, I'm not surprised at all by, by Davis looking good. I think that it'll be good to get him some experience in these earlier games and get him up to speed. So when they play teams like Butler and North Carolina and, and Louisville, he'll be ready to, to contribute some solid minutes. When I watch him, I oscillate between being reminded of Alan Henderson and DJ White with some of the things that he can do. And obviously, he's not on their level yet, but in terms of the skill level and just what you kind of project, he's got that kind of potential. I really think so. He may not have the ceiling of an Alan Henderson, who's clearly one of the great players in Indiana history, but he's got that kind of ability, I think, to be mentioned in sentences with those guys. Well, the thing about him that I love is he's already got polish on him. You know, he's not a guy who has to learn a whole lot except for picking up the offense and maybe rounding out his jump shot. I mean, other than that, he is a polished player. And just, you know, and the conditioning, of course. Yeah. yeah, And when you miss the summer, that happens. But again, I I think that he's a guy who uh, came to Indiana as a ready made college basketball player. He just has to sort of get in the flow. Yep. Let's talk a little bit about Freddie McSwain as well. This was our first real extended look at him. And I thought we saw some of the good things that Freddie McSwain is going to bring, which is that when he's in there, he's going to be around the ball. I mean, he had five rebounds, um, had a couple of steals. You know, I think you look at the box score. He was one for nine. His usage rate is going to be insane because of garbage time. I mean, the last couple of minutes, he was just taking it and going. And I guess you admire the uh, the aggressiveness. But I think we probably saw we probably saw 
eight shots tonight from Freddie McSwain that you will not see in a close competitive game. You know, long twos, some three-pointers. I think it's okay against UMass Lowell for him to maybe take some of those shots and get comfortable out on the Simon Scott Assembly Hall court, but I'm pretty sure if he takes those against Michigan State, he's going to be pulled from the game because that's not what he is out there to do. But I think what Freddie McSwain can bring is when you need a one or two minute rest for, you know, say a Juwan Morgan or an OG Ananobi, you can put Freddie McSwain in there and he'll be an energy guy and get you a rebound and get you a steal and do some of those things. And I think he's flashed some of that ability. And if he just plays within himself and doesn't try to do too much, he can carve out a valuable maybe four to five minute a game role uh, for this team. Andy, your thoughts on, on Freddie McSwain after seeing him for 10 plus minutes tonight. Uh, yeah. I mean, I would, I would agree with what you said. I think he, you can tell he's still just very raw just in situations. You can see him thinking about what he's supposed to do. That was the, you know, he had a steal and then he felt like he should give the ball up, but he made a weird pass in the middle of the court that ended up, I think ended in a turnover of some kind. So he did have three turnovers. Um, the shot is a is a work in progress for sure. Like you said, I think it's it's easy to let him take those shots this game. Although I do feel like after one of the ones in the first half, Crean uh, actually did take him out. Now whether he was due to come out or not, I don't know. Uh, but he had taken a couple of long shots in the first half and did come out. So I think from an energy standpoint, I mean his rebounding rate has got to be pretty good. Um, you know, certainly the exhibition games don't count. But when he got his first action in the uh, in the second exhibition game against Bellarmine, he grabbed a lot of rebounds and you know five and you know, 12 minutes or whatever it was tonight uh, is good and three steals. So I think activity level athleticism wise, he's going to be fine, but I think he's still relying a lot on his raw athletic ability than actual, you know, kind of basketball uh, experience. And I think that was not, uh, not surprising based on, uh, you know, what we thought coming into the season. I'm sure Ryan said that at some point on the show over the off season. So, uh, you know, just taking that material and running with it. But I think that's, uh, you know, I think, what you said is correct. These are going to be great games for him uh, to get some additional experience and learn from. Um, but best case in a, you know, in a, in a big 10 game, you could see him playing, you know, eight minutes and giving you, um, you know, four rebounds and a, you know, maybe a put back, ba put back basket or something like that. So, uh, you know, good to see him out there. Uh, seems healthy, but you can also tell he's still getting back into shape as well. Just some of the explosion that you see in, in some of the videos you don't quite see yet. But uh, I, I think, again, there'll be games when he's going to make valuable contributions this year in a in a limited role. Yeah, I think that, that with McSwain right now, I think that the directive should just be, Freddie, go in, be athletic. Just go get the ball. Uh, he should never shoot a three-pointer at this point. I'm sorry. I, I, I love the kid, and he's supposed to be just a great kid, but don't shoot a three-pointer. If you're out there, there's a reason you're wide open. And uh, he's his shot is just a mess right now, and they need to work on it. Like you said, Jared, just trying to get used to being on the floor at Indiana. But, you know, you turn in an 11.1% performance from the field, you should probably dial it back just a little bit, considering that everybody else on the team other than Curtis Jones was over 50% for the night, um, you know, because Indiana shot a ridiculous percentage. But yeah, well, uh, well, well, Ken Pomeroy adjust for that so that our two point percentage doesn't look so bad that Freddie McSwain was taking shots that aren't really <laughs> Indiana basketball shots. Like, I, can yeah, adjust I, for that? can we get a McSwain exemption for this week? <laughs> Like, um, but yeah, no, he was just trying to force things up to try and get involved. And I get that. And that's fine in a game like this, as you said, uh, it was late. There was not many other people on the floor who were going to do much. And he was just trying to, you know, do something to get in the, to feel like he was in the flow. But at the same time, 
he is not a long jump shooter. You should not be shooting from 18 feet. Uh, 15 out, I would say, is 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 a no-go zone for him. He should be in the paint, mixing up, grabbing offensive rebounds, putting him back in. Yeah, and, and I love the guy. I love what he's going to bring, and you're right. I mean, everything you've heard about him is he's just a great kid, a great locker room guy. Um, and, and I tell you, that that's one thing that I thought was really interesting that Tom Crean said on the pregame show uh, when he was talking to Fish is he talked about how much he likes this team's humility and how much they genuinely like each other. So there's clearly some, you know, communication issues that they have to, you know, get sorted out and get comfortable playing with each other. But to note a team's humility, that really suggests a team that will continue getting better through the season and a team that may well be able to deal with, you know, being ranked number one or two in the country as they will be and not get big heads over it. And so I thought it was really interesting that Tom Crean noted that. And that's another reason why I really expect a 40, 50 point blowout against Liberty on Saturday. You know, once this team kind of has its legs back under them and recognizes some of the mistakes tonight. Um, I think they'll come out just with their hair on fire uh, on Saturday and really play well. I, I want to talk real quick before we take our next break. I want to talk about OG and give you guys both a chance to talk about OG real quick because I mentioned him uh, in the banner moment, but I thought it was kind of a tale of two halves for him. I, I thought OG was not very into it in the first half and, and really showed some of his limitations offensively. And, and it seemed like for a while there, every time he put the ball on the floor, something bad happened. And then all of a sudden he got that steal and dunk and then he was just off to the races. And for the rest of the game, he showed off the versatility that we had seen during the exhibition season. Andy, what did you see from OG, particularly on the offensive end? We know what he'll bring on the defensive end in big games. We're not worried about that. But what did you see from him tonight on the offensive end? Well, you know, I think the the numbers kind of back up what you said. You know, first half, again, you know, take plus minus to the grain of salt. He was plus five, which is one of the lower ones on the team of people who played, and he was the best in the second half at plus 13. So, um, you know, I think your uh, impressions are kind of backed up by the stats. I think what I, what I like to see from him was, uh, you know, we talked after the Kansas game that he didn't take a two-point shot. Um, his first shot tonight was a three, but, you know, after that, he was he was six of seven on twos. Um, had one block where it was kind of a odd. The one he missed was like a just an odd, like kind of step back and fell away close to the basket and got a block. But other than that, you know, it was perfect from two point range. Had that nice step in jumper. Um, you know, showed the the one three that he hit. Uh, you know, was in in rhythm. I think the others were kind of ones. I, you you start to get to a point with him where you can kind of get a good feel for on his release whether it's going to go in or not. Uh, I think we talked about that in the uh, in the exhibition games as well so he definitely seemed more more focused but i think defensively there were times when he played really well too i mean like i said earlier you know when he and johnson are really locked in defensively that seems to be when everybody else follows suit and does those things you know he had you know three steals one of which he just ripped the ball away from a guy in the corner uh the steal and dunk that you mentioned and and so i thought there were you know times where he really seemed locked in and i don't know if it's just a case of you know the game the opponent uh that wasn't the case uh, throughout, but uh, you know when he really turned it on and got rolling, he he was extremely streaky and uh, really got into the game. But like you said, there were other times when uh, you know it felt like he was less of a factor than than he could be. Uh, but somewhat hard to tell in a game like this, where it's easy to defer to other guys uh, in a game that it felt like IU could score pretty much whenever they wanted to. You know, and, and Ryan, I don't know how long this will be a theme for this year. Basically, picking apart every move OG makes with a fine tooth comb, but it clearly is the theme of the early part of the season. Uh, what did you think about OG's performance tonight? I, I think he's got to get to the rim more. I think that in the first half, and, and he did late, but I think that needs to be the focus. I, I don't think a three-pointer needs to be his go-to shot. Uh, I, I, he can make them, and, and he had a high percentage last year, and and uh, we've seen early in, in the uh, 
in the exhibition games, he had a high percentage as well. But that needs to be when he's open off a reversal, not his default situation. Uh, I, I think that he is so athletic and so strong and his long, his arms are so long that when he gets into the paint, it should be easy baskets for him. But the problem is getting into the paint and, and the problem is his ball handling and, you know, sort of turning the corner. And, and I said last year, a lot about Rob Johnson is when he drives from the wing to the middle of the floor, like towards the top of the key, when he starts turning that corner and getting to the hoop, that's when you know he's at the next level and he is, he's reached the next level when he's trying to get to the hoop. You saw him do that a lot tonight. And, and that's what OG has to get to is, is, is a mentality where he's not just moving along the perimeter. He's moving to the hoop and he's looking to get to the rim. You may not always score it, but if you get to the rim, a couple things are going to happen. One, you're going to get fouled. Two, you're going to find somebody else open because somebody's going to help off you. Or three, you're going to be able to drive in there, get stopped, turn around and find someone else as well. So it, those are the three good outcomes. Of course, you could always turn the ball over or something like that, but he's got to have the confidence that he's not going to do that, especially if this is a guy who's going to go to the NBA this year. You know, He's going to be expected to do that. So on the offensive end, he's we know how great he is defensively. We know how great he is weak side rebounding and putting balls back in the hoop and, and things like that. But what we need for him to do, for this team to succeed, is to be able to turn the corner, get to the hoop, and score on his own and create his own shot. All righty. We're going to talk about defense, and we're going to talk a little bit about Indiana's Swiss Army Knife uh, here in just a second. Before we do that, I do want to take just a minute and tell you why you should activate your free Assembly Call membership. There are three reasons. Uh, number one, it's quick and easy. Just go to assemblycall.com slash join. It'll take you about 15 seconds. Number two, it's the way that you get our best content because by joining, you'll receive our six banner Saturday IU Hoops News Roundup as well as our detailed post-game analysis email. So if you're listening to the live post-game show right now, go to assemblycall.com slash join, get on the list so you'll get tomorrow morning's email. Uh, and it's also the way that you connect with the Assembly Call community because only members can access our moderated post-game live chat and discussion forum, and we want you to join us in there. So if you like what you hear on the assembly call, becoming a member is the next logical step, and it's totally free. So join us at assemblycall.com slash join. All right, well, you are listening to the Assembly Call IU postgame show. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips, and we are breaking down Indiana's 100-78 to victory over UMass Lowell. And Andy, let's talk real quick about Juwan Morgan. Uh, certainly, he has done nothing through two games to suggest that he will be anything but a hugely valuable piece for this Indiana team. And I continue to think that if he doesn't end up you know, grabbing a starting role at some point later this season, he's going to be the Big Ten sixth man of the year. Uh, because as some people are starting to call him now, he's kind of a Draymond Green light for this team, the role that he has. Seven points, seven boards, three assists. And he's just always out there making hustle plays, bringing the energy. If he gets a rebound, he can immediately turn up the court and get going. He just adds such a, an element of versatility to this team when he's out there on the floor. And I think as you go through, it's going to be really interesting as you go through the different lineups and the different combinations this year. I really think that most of Indiana's best lineups are going to end up having him on the floor. That's my hypothesis. So it'll be interesting to see once we actually have the numbers. But your thoughts uh, on the performance of Jawan Morgan tonight? Yeah, I have a similar hypothesis after these first couple of games. I, I'll be curious to see, you know, maybe I'll wait five games in and kind of see what the best ones are. But uh, he certainly seems to be uh, present there. I think just the versatility helps that be the case. He can play with just about anybody 
uh, on the team. And so there's some combinations that don't necessarily make as much sense uh, as others. But I think with him, you can kind of talk yourself into anything, whether uh, he needs to be the one handling the ball or being the recipient of some of these, you know, driving dish scenarios. He seems to have a, a knack for, you know, just finding space inside to be to be available for other guys to, to pass on the ball. So uh, I, I thought he was fantastic again, played well, uh, pretty well defensively. Uh, in addition to all the uh, the stats that you mentioned, had the the rare, as Nick Zaisloff pointed out on Twitter, uh, banked in and switched free throws in the same trip to the line. Picked up arguably the weakest hang on the rim technical anyone has ever seen. Yeah, enough um, showboating, so, Juwan. So, so yeah, a pretty, uh, pretty eventful night. That was him, but. that was ridiculous. Can we yeah, just yeah. like what? Can we get robot officials? Is there a way to get robot officials in the in in, in college basketball in the NBA? Just get rid of them. Just robots. That's all I want. Robots. That would that would be exciting. That would that would really be amazing. But I, I think he, um, you know, again, I just think you know he handled the ball really well. The number you didn't mention zero turnovers, uh, in fifteen minutes in a game that IU had sixteen turnovers overall. So, uh, you know, continue to, you know, we can't say enough good things about him. And I think it's going to be one of those dilemmas of, uh, we we had this a little bit last year. Uh, I forget whether it was with Robert Johnson or Colin Hartman or maybe both, where. Uh, you had these guys come in off the bench and really give this lift, and then you got into a debate of, as to whether they should move to the starting lineup. Uh, I am of the opinion that he does not need to move to the starting lineup. I like what he brings off the bench um, and gives Crean some options for who he wants to take out when he brings him in uh, because he can match up with so many people. So I'm uh, I'm fine to leave him in the role that he's in for now, and uh, I think if he does, uh, you'd be hard-pressed to think somebody other than him is going to win uh, six man of the year in the conference. Let's uh let's talk about a few of the other just kind of negatives from tonight. And I just want to throw these out there. And, and and Ryan, you can tell me if you're concerned about them at all. You know, we've kind of talked about the defense and UMass Lowell scoring about a point per possession. You know, not a good offensive team. But I think, you know, we've kind of explained that away a little bit. We're not going to be concerned with it unless we see some of these uh, defensive foibles become habits, you know, against a team like Liberty and extend into the IPFW game. But right now, I'm not too concerned about that. I am, however, concerned about the turnovers. Because, again, Indiana, after really doing well with turnovers early in the game, uh, you know, finished the game at 20.9%. And I know you can say a lot of those were late and, you know, it's in the second half when the game has been decided. But at the same time, you know, these exhibition games are about developing good habits. And this was an issue last year. It was an issue in the Kansas game and in the exhibition season. Here it was again. And we know turnovers are going to happen because Indiana wants to play fast. But, you know, you really like to see Indiana get into the, the 16, 17 percent range, uh, you know, even the 18 percent range consistently. Uh, and, and we talked about the free throw rate. You know, UMass Lowell obviously getting to the line more than Indiana. Hopefully that's just an anomaly. That anything else, Ryan, that you walk away from this game concerned about or that you'll be particularly watching against Liberty to make sure that it's improved? Well, the turnovers, I will say this, uh, seven of them came from Devontae Green, Freddie McSwain, and Tim Priller. So you're looking at guys lower on the totem pole making those. I actually thought I was impressed that Blackman had two, had only had two, Johnson only had two, Newkirk only had two. So, you know, your, your starting ball handlers weren't pr- bad. Uh, it was the the newer guys sort of towards the end, and Priller had one ridiculous one at the end, but any, anything Tim does is ridiculous. So he also like had a great, Hey, by the way, let's give Tim Perler hey, some credit real quick because bucking. that rebound tip in, I mean, you know, to his credit, he showed, you know, kind of an expanded game. He wasn't just standing out there outside the three point line. So no, it was nice I, to see. Look, we loved him. You know, that was great. Uh, 
<laughs> it was nice. It was nice to see him see him get involved there. But uh, one problem that I that I have, and I've been saying for a couple weeks now, is that I think that free throws are going to be really important for this team. And I'm not even sure what the free throw percentage was tonight. Uh, they were nine of fourteen. That's not good. And and you need these guys. It's sixty four percent. These are guys we don't have a go to killer three point or free throw shooter like we had with Yogi Ferrell last year or Nick Zeisloft or those other guys. Um, so these guys need to get in the gym and work on that because that's going to become incredibly important, especially in conference games late. I mean, OG is going to get fouled a lot. Juwan Morgan's going to get fouled a lot they're, just because they're guys who mix it up on the interior and, and you're going to get uh, the guards fouled a lot. So you need to be able to finish games with free throws. And, and I think that that is something that hopefully doesn't rear its head and hopefully they can kind of lock in and make, make free throws at a higher rate than they have been in the exhibition games and early in the season so far. That's the concern for me that I would like to watch out for even more than the turnovers, because I think the turnovers, when you shorten your lineup a little bit, I think those turnovers will kind of, you know, see themselves kind of played out of, of being in the danger zone. Good point. And I will say also on the positive side, the rebounding was good for Indiana tonight, as it should be with this kind of a size advantage. But still, you know, Indiana getting 45% of their offensive rebounds is a terrific number. And we can tell last year, Indiana compensated for the turnovers with great offensive rebounding. It looks like that may need to be the formula again this year. And it certainly has been through a couple of games. Uh, Andy, your thoughts on the defense and any lingering concerns heading into Liberty? I, I, you know, I don't know if they're huge, huge concerns at this point, because again, I, I just felt like I, you approached the game in a way that was, well, I can just score whenever I need to. So it, everything else doesn't really matter, which uh, kind of proved to be true. Uh, but you know, the, the couple of things on defense stand out, we talked a little bit about communication earlier. Uh, I, I think that continues to be a question mark as teams run, you know, different handoffs or ball screens, things like that out top. I think uh, communication is, is one concern there. And then the other uh, you know, kind of leads to the other one that allows dribble penetration. And then we get guys over helping and, and gave up some open threes tonight. And, and I thought that was another area where, uh, you know, UMass Lowell, the way they wanted to play, they ended up hitting 11 threes. Uh, no, that's IU. Sorry about that. Um, they, uh, they hit nine threes though. So, you know, shot over 40% from three. And, you know, I felt like they got a lot of clean looks uh, in part because IU struggled to contain the dribble uh, either off the screens or, or otherwise. Um, they didn't foul as much. Uh, maybe maybe they're a little gun shy from uh, worrying about you know the Frank Mason effect of anyone driving the basket getting getting a foul call on the opponent. But um, you know, I, little things, and I think in a game like this, they don't really matter. So it's easy to um, gloss over. But I think not necessarily warning signs, but things to keep an eye on going forward. Yeah, and you know, seeing some of Tom Crean's comments coming out of the press conference, you know, he he talked about some of the sloppy play, you know, and just playing so many different combinations, and you'll get that. And I think that context is important. I want to talk about Thomas Bryant real quick because I think it's important to watch some of these cupcake games uh, with the right context with Thomas. And I'm going to see if you guys agree with this. I feel like sometimes he struggles in these kind of games to kind of get in the flow consistently because he's such an emotional player. And there's not much emotion, you know, kind of in the gym. It's not, you know, Kentucky kind of on the other side. It's, you know, it, it's it's UMass Lowell. And I just feel like sometimes he struggles a little bit to, to get into these games. And so, you know, I think it's important maybe to, as as we watch Indiana go through this cavalcade of cupcakes, you know, to uh, to keep that in mind and maybe not to get worried when Thomas Bryant only scores nine points and grabs five boards like he did tonight. 
because he had some good moments. But overall, I just think it's tough for him to stay fully engaged in these games, or at least it seems like it. But he certainly has shown no indication that he won't, you know, step up and, and be there always for the big games. Do you, Ryan, do you get that kind of, that same sense from him? And is that a concern at all, if true? No, not at all. I'm not worried about Thomas Bryant. If there are players on this team I'm worried about, he's about last on that list. Uh, he only played 22 minutes tonight. You know, I mean, he wasn't going to get a whole lot of run against UMass Lowell. You know, it's he was three of five from the field, so 60%. He missed a three pointer. He was three of five from the free throw line, five rebounds, three assists, uh, one only one turnover, three blocks. I mean, he was engaged, I thought. I, I think that there just wasn't a consistent effort to get him the ball in the post when he was down there. And that's fine because we're beating the pants off the other team. You know I mean? So it's, it's, you don't need to slow down and go half court offense back to the basket, turn around, find something. But it, I think a lot of times Thomas got the ball in the post and he deferred to other guys and passed the ball around. And, and that's probably what he's been taught to do this year is look for the double team, find the open guy. And, He's been improving at that. I thought that the Kansas game, that was probably a point of emphasis moving forward to this game was was passing out of the post because I thought there were some screw-ups there that uh, in the Kansas game and in the uh, in the exhibition games that there were some screw-ups there. And, and I think that he needs to get better at that when he's going to be facing better competition. So he's the kind of guy who, who like an OG Ananobi or a Jawan Morgan, can impact the game in so many ways when he's not scoring that it doesn't matter. You don't worry about his point total. Yeah, and you know, and in stretches, he was able to kind of get himself going when he got those two blocks on consecutive possessions. Obviously, when he he got the block and kind of stepped over the guy and ended up getting the technical foul, um, so he was able to kind of get there. But the energy just a little bit inconsistent from him. But it was inconsistent from a lot of guys. Uh, last thing, real quick, before we move to last call, uh, the other freshmen. We haven't really talked much about them. Curtis Jones, Devonte Green. You know, Curtis Jones apparently is not going to score a point per minute this season uh, as a freshman. Shocker. Seventeen minutes, only had three. Points tonight. Uh, I thought struggled to get as involved as he was against Kansas. Um, Devonte Green, you know, had a couple of, or, or a few great dunks, some steals. Uh, you know, like what I saw out of him. Any uh, any thoughts on the performance of those two guys, Andy? No, I mean, I think it was you know another good chance for playing time. You know, Green had four steals in ten minutes, which is pretty good. That led to I think directly to all three of his baskets. Um, which were all dunks or layups. But uh, yeah, I thought Jones, I mean, he didn't really force anything, only took three shots, uh, a couple of those from deep, but did have a couple of assists, just one turnover. So, I, you know, I, I think they're going to have their ups and downs, and uh, I guess I would rather they really step forward in the uh, in the big games like they did against Kansas than uh, in one like this. So no concerns. Uh, you know, I think Green continues to, to be pretty intense uh, defensively, but did have, you know, three turnovers. So, uh, the good and the bad with guys like that, which I think you're going to continue to see in games like this and uh, in them in their first handful of games. And the thing about freshmen, you know, freshmen are going to be inconsistent. And the nice thing about having a deep freshman class is as long as you can get one or two of those guys every game, you know, you'll be okay. And tonight it was Deron Davis who really brought it and Devontae Green, obviously, and they're able to make up for Curtis Jones not having a great game. And you'll always have an anchor off the bench, you know, whether it's Jawan Morgan or Josh Newkirk, you know, who can kind of be that steady hand. Uh, and so, I mean, the depth is obviously going to be a huge key. Uh, for Indiana this year. Well, hey, before we go to last call, one more quick reminder that a great way to support the Assembly Call is by ordering your official Assembly Call t-shirt from HoosierProud.com. Go to HoosierProud.com and check out their selection of unique, stylish apparel that anyone with Indiana roots will love. And don't forget to use the promo code ASSEMBLY, A-S-S-E-M-B-L-Y, for 15% off. 
That works for our assembly call logo t-shirts, which you can find at hoosierproud.com and anything else you buy. 15% off your entire order. The promo code is assembly. And again, the URL is hoosierproud.com. All righty. Well, you are listening to the Assembly Call IU Post Game Show. I'm Jared Morris here with Andy Bottoms and Ryan Phillips, and we are wrapping up here as Indiana defeats UMass Lowell tonight, 100 to 78. Uh, and it's time for our final thoughts. Last call, Ryan. We'll go to you first. Uh, my focus is going to be Tim Perler. Uh, one minute, he was one for one from the field, which is a hundred percent, and had two offensive rebounds. What more can you ask for from a guy? Uh, perfect in his one minute on the court. Uh, that's two rebounds per minute. Imagine stretching that over 40 minutes. I think it's time to get Tim in the game some more. All right. Andy, last call. Oh, hard to hard to follow up that uh, insightful analysis. You'd, I don't know if perfect is what I would say. There was a turnover, but let's not uh, let's not delve too far into Tim Pillar. I'm going to talk about uh, Quentin Taylor. No, I'm just kidding. Um, we're gonna, I, uh, you, you know, I think the thing that, when you kind of look at the schedule, you had that you know, the big Kansas game, and then you kind of break into the next section. So you've got these four games here where you can experiment with different lineups, uh, try some different things out, give guys additional playing time. Uh, it's kind of tune-ups or building up toward that North Carolina game. And then you've got another few games against some pretty awful teams, and then you got the Butler game, and then you got a couple more bad opponents, and then Big Ten play starts, and, and you've got Louisville. So to me, this was kind of everything you would expect as you as you lay the schedule out. You saw a lot of guys get playing time. Kareem mentioned a number of times just trying to play, you know, different lineups and experiment with different combinations. And gave everybody the chance to do that. Uh, the guys got their legs back under them a little bit as the game went, but nobody had to play too much. So, um, you know, all in all, well, we can nitpick a few things here and there. Uh, as you said at the open, nobody got hurt. Uh, had some had some really strong performances from a number of guys. Uh, almost everybody who played scored. And, uh, you know, I, I think just, a, you know, exciting in the sense they scored 100 points, but kind of a, a ho-hum win. Uh, and I think we're going to see a number of those given some of the competition in the preseason, but a, a, a good way to bounce back from the Kansas game and get everybody back on the court. And they, they got Liberty on Saturday, who actually played uh, pretty well against VCU. Uh, I think it was last night. They, won, they, they only lost by five. So uh, picked by a lot of people to finish second in the Big South. So maybe not uh, quite as bad as UMass Lowell, but still in the uh, in the 240s on Ken Palm as I look at it now. So don't everybody get too excited about the competition ratcheting up dramatically uh, on Saturday, but another challenge and, and probably another chance to do some of the same things that they were uh, able to do tonight. Yeah, UMass Lowell entering tonight 271st uh, in Ken Palm. There are six teams remaining on Indiana's non-conference schedule with a worse record than UMass I, Lowell. So I also feel like at some point, I think it was Seth Davis or somebody was like, "Oh, they're picked to finish in the top six of the America East." Like, I there might only be eight teams in the America East. I'm not exactly sure. I was like, I don't know if that's an accomplishment or not. If they, yeah, it's uh, like Minnesota picked to finish in the top twelve of the Big Ten. Yeah, I think there are. I think there are nine. I think there might be nine teams in the in the league. So, um, yeah, not. Not great, but, yeah. you know, got to find something good to say about somebody. So, yes. Uh, in our chat, Hoosier JJ says, how addicted are we? We're here after a cupcake game. Absolutely. Hey, look, you're listening to the assembly call after IU UMass Lowell. You are an IU diehard, as are we. And we appreciate you for it. And obviously, you know, we've you know, we like to joke about just the the cupcakes on IU's schedule uh, because it, it helps us get through them. And obviously, hopefully it improves in the future. 
Um, but I will say, you know, look, these games are on the schedule. We're going to continue making our jokes about them, but the games are going to come. And we're obviously going to be here on the postgame show talking about them. And if you're a diehard like us and like Hoosier JJ and everybody in our chat, you're going to be watching them. And so I would just urge you, you know, to, to try and watch them with a purpose. And I think that can help you get through the games and actually appreciate them. Uh, and and learn a little bit more about your Hoosiers. And I would say one way to do that is listen to the pregame show uh, where, where Tom Crean talks to Don Fisher. If you uh, aren't by a radio, you can get the TuneIn radio app and check out the Indiana Hoosiers uh, radio network, and it's on there. And, and and listen to that. Listen to Tom Crean's radio show. Listen to the press availability before the game. And again, see what the coach is talking about that they're working on. So that then when you watch the game, instead of it just being, all right, here's Indiana and Mississippi Valley State and just your eyes glazing over for two hours, have some specific things that you're watching. You know, OK, Crean talked about how they're working on, on blocking out. Let's see if they block out. He talked about how they're really working on playing through the post. Let's see if they do that. And it's one of those things that can give you kind of a more intimate feeling relationship with with your team as you follow them and help you learn more about them and, and just help those two hours feel a little bit more purposeful than they otherwise will. And, and hopefully doing that makes it a more enjoyable experience for you. And then hopefully the administration wises up in future seasons and doesn't give us quite as many uh, games like that where we have to kind of search for context and search for meaning. But I know that's what I do, and that's how I'm able to come here on the postgame show and be excited uh, every single time. So I just thought I would uh, throw that out there as my last call thought to uh, to help you get through these games. Wah! Indiana doesn't play Kansas every week. Wah! <laughs> no one asked to play Kansas every week. But seriously, have, did you, did you, have you looked at Kansas's non-conference schedule? Because that no, yeah, is like the I'm, model I'm, for what Indiana should do. A couple 200 opponents, a few in the 100s, and then otherwise some decent teams that are actually testing you. It's not no, I'm just, I'm just teasing, but you know what? We're lucky to be able to do what we do. So whoever they play, I'll be here. You know, I mean, it's, of it's, course. It, you know, it's, it's never going to be perfect and everybody's going to have complaints no matter what. But uh, I think we've got a pretty, we're pretty lucky this year to get to do Kansas, North Carolina, Louisville and, and Butler games in the preseason. Maybe that's just me having diminished expectations because of the last few years, but I think it's, I think it's going to be pretty fun. Uh, preseason for us this year no it will be and that is progress but let's just take the next step of progress and get some of these uh, lower ranked teams off there all right everybody thank you for being here on this episode of the assembly call iu post game show we will be back with you on saturday either of you guys know what time that game is on saturday i don't I have believe it i believe it's a seven o'clock tip seven o'clock tip okay so your saturday night will be spent with iu liberty that game is on BETN plus so i believe max bielfeld will be on the call for that game uh, so another reason to watch. And we'll be here afterwards on the Assembly Call IU postgame show and at halftime. Make sure you like us on Facebook. You can go to assemblycall.com slash Facebook. It'll redirect you to our Facebook page. That's where we do our IU Hoops halftime report this year. So we hope that you'll join us over there. And we will talk to you all on Saturday. Go Hoosiers. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. Tonight's Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player client. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. Tonight's Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player client. 
Some people just know bundling with Allstate means big savings. Just like they know the right ingredient means big flavor. They know honey on pizza is where it's at. And olive oil on ice cream is the cherry on top. And they know when you bundle home and auto with Allstate, you can save up to 25%. Mm-mm. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. Allstate Vehicle and Property Insurance Company and Affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.